Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lathrop. Hello, football fans. This is episode 101, more signed letter of intent and reports. This episode is brought to you by our friends at True Victory. If you are not perfect, if you have ever struggled, if you have ever failed, if you have ever been the underdog, if you have ever doubted yourself or been doubted by others, if you want to get better, be better, and make our world better, this is the perfect brand for you. Founded by U.S. military veterans, True Victory is a sportswear and streetwear brand dedicated to building everyday champions on and off the field. True Victory is not simply a company, they're a cause. Its purpose is to transform lives and elevate humanity through the power and unity of sports, positive stories, and serving others. They are dedicated to the game, the grind, and the globe. But most importantly, they are dedicated to you. If you want to strive for something better, while proudly showing others your determination, grit, and supporting people like yourself, check out the True Victory Shop by simply clicking on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code PLAYER54 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. As the alternative football world turns, we have some new XFL developments to discuss. In addition, defensive back David Haney joins the show to discuss his football journey and XFL showcase experience. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On October 30th, the XFL Communications Department announced five players have signed letter of intent with three teams, Houston Roughnecks, Orlando Guardians, and Seattle Sea Dragons. On November 1st, the XFL Communications Department announced two players have signed letter of intent with two teams, Orlando Guardians and St. Louis Battlehawks. On November 3rd, multiple alternative football news journalists and outlets shared inside the league's Neil Stratton reported in his latest newsletter the following. Also in this week's Rep Rumblings on Tuesday, we discussed the latest buzz regarding the XFL-USFL merger, which enters its sixth week in development since the leagues formally announced their intentions to join together. Early this week, we were hearing that both leagues would bring five teams into the new venture. Also, we are expecting play to begin in February, mirroring the XFL schedule, and we have heard a dispersal draft will take place before Thanksgiving. By Thursday, however, we were reporting that the league's officials would meet next week to discuss the final details with a planned announcement for November 13th. Since the USFL and XFL released a joint press release announcing their intent to merge, there have been several reports on the format we can anticipate once the merger receives federal regulatory approval. Inside the League has also previously reported other format variations. Yet, it must be noted that Neil Stratton's Inside the League had a partnership with the XFL in its lead-up to the 2023 season. It is unclear if the partnership is still in place. Regardless, Neil is well-connected with XFL League staff. His reports may very well be the latest content and topic discussed by USFL and XFL brass. Whether this format will be the finalized version will sooner or later be revealed. I find the potential November 13th announcement and dispersal draft in a few weeks to be of interest and something we should look forward to. As I have previously mentioned, 
We will now be joined by defensive back David Haney to discuss his football journey and XFL showcase experience. Welcome, David. I appreciate taking the time to come on to the show and discuss your football journey and XFL showcase experience. Thank you, Mike. It's good to be here, man. Yes, it truly is a pleasure having you. I love learning people's stories because, David, no matter what, no two stories are the same. And it's hard to believe, but everyone's got some different avenue, some different level of adversity. So I love these. And, you know, I'm probably not as researched up on you as I probably should be. So you're probably going to throw me a curveball or two here, as well as my listeners. Man, there's not there's a lot of people that don't know about what I got going on. You you search my name, you'll see you'll see Devin Haney pop up the boxer. So Right. Uh, That's the first thing that did pop up when (laughs) I researched you. But we'll kinda we'll jump right into this. I always believe it is beneficial for our listeners if we kind of go back in time a little bit and get a little bit of your backstory to provide everyone with a better understanding who you are as a person and player. So I understand based off the research I was able to find when I finally found the non-boxer <laughs> i understand you played your college ball at juco san bernardino valley college and yes, sir. naia mid-america nazarene university yes sir and the thing that's not even like on the internet is i played another year of juco before that at oh. college of the desert um gotcha. so that's like that's like disappeared from the internet i don't know what <laughs> like what's going on but yeah i played uh four years of college Walk us through, you know, go back a little bit further. How you're mm-hmm. introduced to the game, at what age, what level did you start playing? Because some people start really late. Some people start very early. Why don't you kind of walk us through what your recruitment process was or the lack thereof, depending, you know, so everyone has a different thing. And then when we kind of get to it, obviously you've got a, a collegiate journeyman story of three different universities or schools. And it's going to be a long-winded. How did you get you introduced? <laughs> your recruitment or lack thereof, and then ultimately your collegiate experience. So I was born and raised in Twenty Nine Palms, California. It's a military town, but it's also in the middle of nowhere. From my understanding, like as I got older, hearing from recruiters, like that's not even on their path. Like they didn't even know that that's a town. Like they go from LA all the way up north and it's completely out the way. And they didn't even know my school was out there. So I had to go to the JUCO. Now, coming from a small town, like going to a junior college, it's kind of like a culture shock. Like I didn't really, you know, adapt well. And um, I ended up dropping out. After that, that's where I went to San Bernardino Valley College. Ended up just taking classes. And I went to go rush a, a PE class. And the football coach was the, was the coach. And it was kind of like divine timing. They needed a cornerback. And, you know, like I was like, man, I love football. I was just playing, you know, at LA Fitness, like playing basketball. I was like, you know what? Let me just go break some records real quick and then and then uh get a D2 scholarship and then move it on. It so happened that my clock was ran out because of my first year that I had to go to an NAI school uh after my year at uh San Bernardino Valley. Then I went to Mid-American Nazarene and I was uh all conference my first year and then my second year I was slated to be like all American and everything. And I dealt with injuries and I didn't play as many games as I could have. And when it came time for my pro day, I ran a 4-3-4, uh, jumped a 44-inch standing vertical and had an 11-1 broad jump. And that's when I like kind of doubled down on this whole uh, professional football thing. 
And right after I was given a pro contract by the Iowa Barnstormers, and I just went all in from there. Yeah, I was going to say, I know. That's a lot of. <laughs> it's, it's all good. I didn't mean to it's all good. Please don't apologize because, like I said, everyone's journey is different. Somewhere in there, some people's might overlap a little bit. But everything's a little different someplace. And no two players get to wherever they're at the same way. And it always intrigues me because there's some level of adversity. And I know that term is used so much, David, that, it, you know, some people are probably sick of hearing it, but it's so true. You could have given right up from high school. Be like, oh, they don't even know I exist. You could have given up after the first school or the second school. And here you are still today. And you get an opportunity with your pro day. Obviously, it's not National Football League or Canadian Football League or some of these other leagues that are getting attention from you. Mm -hmm. So here you are looking at a non-traditional route to still obtain your dream, likely. And, I, and I'm maybe putting words in your mouth, but I'm assuming anybody that's playing that's still striving today, that the indoor football league is not the end goal. The Iowa no. Barnstormers. And then obviously, I understand you had a, had a recent stint with the San Diego Strike Force. Yes. Why don't you just kind of walk us through? You mentioned the pro day and you mentioned how they get. Well, why don't you walk us through how this opportunity really came about? Was it really the pro day? Was it later on you got linked with somebody that started this avenue for you? So after my first year at uh, Mid-American Nazarene, I was invited to the HBCU Dream Bowl and the NAIA Senior Bowl. And the people that coordinate that uh, were connected with the people that ran our pro day. And this is during like COVID and everything. And um, we we're going to have like a traditional pro day with like CFL and NFL scouts and everything, but they couldn't make it down. So this is more so like the best way I could get official numbers by scouts and everything. So that's the way I had to go about it. Data, film, everything that a professional player needs just to stay relevant or get, stay on the radar, shall we say. I get it. It's not the traditional outdoor game. So. I always ask anybody that's gone the arena or indoor route because there's different variations of the arena or indoor game. How has this impacted your game and potentially improved it for the traditional outdoor game? Man, it's it's improved my patience a lot. Like having a, a five seven shifty four three running receiver screaming at you before the ball's even snapped, it teaches you a lot about patience and uh being able to stay patient as a defensive back. And it's taught me a lot about footwork, just a lot about uh, next play mentality, because in a lot of these arena leagues, it's a it's an offensive minded game. Like it's an offense, like everything's catered to the offense. So if you get beat on like a double move or everything, or like you get a penalty, it's helped me a lot with my mindset as a defensive back. That like regardless of the odds or everything being leveraged against you, like I'm going to still be a dog and mark something up. I say funny, not in like I'm laughing out loud, David, but I've always found it very intriguing and kind of like puzzling that the game is so different that sometimes stats are not just easily transferable, right? Obviously, the indoor game, like you said, the offense, receivers are in motion and they have mm -hmm. the leg up on you big time. And mm -hmm. so when their numbers look a certain way, it's like, okay, well, the defender was at a disadvantage. But on the flip side, your stats, you are the hindered party. So when mm -hmm. I look at your stats, it's even, you know, it's like, okay, well, if he was outdoor, would he look better? 
And, and that's just the thing, right? Would you statistically look better? Would your film look better? But when you make a big play, if anything, it's got to stand out that much more. Yeah. I mean, it, and maybe and, the average person doesn't see it that way, but that's how I've always looked at it from the defensive side. Offensive side, it's like, okay, they already got the leg up. It's kind of expected for them to take advantage of the defense. And if they don't, that's the kind of the surprising thing. Yeah, and uh, my second year with the second the San Diego Strike Force, I had six interceptions and three touchdowns and uh, over 60-plus tackles. I was speaking with the Sea Dragons at the time, and they were ready to bring me into camp and everything. And someone recently got released from the NFL, and they took him over me just because they, I didn't have enough outdoor film. It's understandable where I went to college and everything and my age, but I think that scouts don't see that uh, the same way as you, and it kind of leaves them on the fence. Yeah, that's I mean, that's kind of tough. And I'm not trying to act like I'm an insider <laughs> like that. You know, I, I'm <laughs> doubting it. I'm not by no means am I trying to claim that I am, but it, I mean, it just seems fairly elementary to look at it this way. Like it just seems so basic that anyone would look at it that way, but maybe not. Maybe I'm just, the, you know, the outlier. But so I look at it. You've been doing this for a while. I believe it was 2021 when you started playing with the Iowa Barnstormers. Yes, sir. Um, in this past season, 2023 season, you just played with obviously the San Diego Strike Force. Were you playing consistently in between there, the IFL? No, I played for San Diego for uh, eight games, and then I got traded to the Tucson Sugar Skulls for three games. I played the last three games and the playoff game against Northern Arizona. That kind of brings me to where you a participant at the IFL XFL combine, but it sounds like you may not have been. Yes. Yes, sir. I was. Oh, good deal. So, you know, we'll get to your regular showcase here in a bit, but that was a unique opportunity. The first of its kind for the IFL to XFL combine in August, right? It was back in, in Henderson, Nevada, if, if I remember correctly. And yes, sir. I mean, so pretty hot. I mean, you're, I can't. you're outdoors. Yeah. Yes, sir. It, it was it was scorching, <laughs> but so, it's not nothing I'm used to. I'm, I'm I'm from the desert, so. Well, right. Hot aside, what was the experience like for you? It was kind of ran just like the the supplemental showcases that I've been to before that one. I've been to the I was at the San Diego supplemental showcase hosted by ANC and the XFL. So it was kind of ran like the same way. There were three scouts, and I think two were from the Brahmas, and one was from Toronto, like the CFO. Oh, but um, there was a lot of people there, and I th I don't think they really could get a full evaluation. But for me personally, I I ran a four three eight and jumped a ten nine broad jump, and then everything else they didn't really test, and then we just did one on ones right after. So I think in like in upcoming years they're gonna run it more. They're going to have more to it. Well, I've been to a regular XFL showcase and I've been to an XFL supplemental showcase. Mm -hmm. And one, I don't really know how to compare. You know, I, I see significant differences. I don't know how to compare it as in, is it typically that different or is it because of this merger piece that's looming with the Orlando one that I was at? So I'm like, ah, maybe, maybe it's just they weren't bringing as many people in. But again, I don't know that. But there were significant differences because the regular showcase I attended in Bradington, 
there's all sorts of technology like tents mm-hmm. and cameras and i don't mean like just regular cameras recording video or footage i mean like that breakaway data and we know mm-hmm. we've seen vault technologies at the xfl combine in arlington texas this past summer mm-hmm. but at the supplemental showcase none of those technologies were present it was old school stopwatches they did have videos so they could get the player would turn to you know the camera to make sure they got their number right so they'll know who footage this is and whatnot very clearly not mixing that up but i you know there was a significant difference so you know it does seem like okay depending which one you're participating at it's a little bit old school on the stopwatch versus the technologies that are catching it we hear all these type of things with like lasers and stuff the timing is just like there's no way to manipulate it it's not like you know, somebody's either fast or slow off the, you know, off the clock, you know, those type of things. Eh, I don't know how much it matters, but it seems like it could. Mm-hmm. I feel like that adds more to the belief from the scout, you know, like if the scout is in there and they just see the numbers from a hand time, they're not going to really invest as much. But if they see all the breakaway data and, the, you know, if they're not there in person, they're going to believe the breakaway data over the hand time. Yeah, it probably in this day and age, now that you know it could be done two different ways, maybe five, six years ago it would have been a little bit different. You'd probably be like, oh, we're just clocking it on the watch. It's it's just how it's done. You, know, you don't question it so much. So you were just at the San Diego Showcase, which was not the weekend that just concluded, but the weekend before, prior. Yes, sir. And I know they had the supplemental on Saturday and they had the specialist showcase on Sunday. We've seen some difference with the amount of coaching staff and player personnel there. But this one seemed to have a better representation from what I could see off from social media with uh, Battlehawks, director of player personnel, Dave Bowler, Will Lewis from the Brahmas. I believe it was an offensive coordinator from the Roughnecks. Roughnecks. And I also saw there were some IFL people in attendance. Not that that's what you're hoping. You're hoping for your break to get back to the (laughs) traditional outdoor game. I understand, but there did seem to be a larger number of people, staff, evaluating talent. Was there even more than what I mentioned? Oh, no. Those are the only three that I, I saw. I didn't really see the – I went with the defensive group, obviously, but I didn't see the Roughnecks coach there. But I did see Will Lewis and the Battlehawks coach there. It seemed a little bit more professional and – uh not professional, but it seemed like they were a lot more uh like invested into it than the one I was at a year previously. Gotcha. How do you think you did it? I mean, did, did it seem like a good representation of what you typically can do performance-wise? Uh, yes, sir. Like, I always, I'm a great tester. Um, I'm a great athlete. And um, I always do well at these. But when it comes down to, like, after, like, that's always what I'm I'm worried about is after. I, I ran a four four one according to one of the IFL coaches that was timing. But I think, I think it was 4-3. But... <laughs> They said everyone said four four one, and then I had the farthest uh, triple broad jump at I think it was thirty four eleven. It was either thirty four eleven or thirty four one. It's just what happens afterwards. Like you know, I don't. They'll be like, oh, he's too old. Like, or we need outdoor film from him, or you know, it's just all these different variables. So, uh, I think I did well um, afterwards. I spoke to Will Lewis. I met him at the Vegas. Uh, showcase and he saw me there and then afterwards he was like oh you were at Vegas 
and then we spoke a lot and he knew my coach from college and he was like, you ran really well. And I know your coach from college. We played in the league together. So hopefully I put a face to um, a name and hopefully, uh, you know, they'll bring me to camp or uh, just all I need is a foot in the door. And that's all I can really pray for is just the opportunity to get a foot in, in the door at camp. Opportunity is everything. You yes, know, sir. the fact that you're having those conversations on the side, that's the next thing I was going to ask you. Did it lead to additional conversations other than just like, you know, good route, you know, when in passing type of thing. So it sounds like you had that. So that's a step in the right direction. And knowing that the IFL, XFL have that partnership, they obviously don't frown upon people playing in the indoor football league. So that's also a good thing, right? And we've seen a bunch of guys after that combine get uh, their rights acquired by certain XFL teams. And the fact that you're still having dialogue with somebody, not just once after the common, but now after the supplemental showcase, I think that's a, a testament to obviously what you mentioned. You believe he did perform well. So, yes, sir. Uh, and another like, like affirming thing about that is like after the um, testing portion, they pulled like 10 or like five or 10 of us ahead of everyone before we did the position drills, because that's who the scouts just wanted to see. Um, and I was one of those guys. So that was more affirming than uh, that was more affirming that I did well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, so, you know, you're kind of in this limbo area, right? Just now, you know, the league's got to figure out if this merger is being approved. We see, you know, the USFL teams are signing players. We see the XFL announcing a bunch of players signing letter of intents. But, you know, their draft that was supposed to be October 4th got shelved for for the time being. We're hearing it could be the middle of November. However, we don't really know, right? This merger is kind of going to impact some things. So that kind of mm-hmm. puts you in a place of limbo. So what are you doing at this moment? Not, I mean, not this moment that we're talking, but, I mean, what are you doing? you know, from today and moving forward. I mean, what does your daily routine look like? Just to, cause you got to keep ready, right? You never know when you're going to get a call for potentially a private workout or, you know, be prepared for that draft. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. I just, um, I'm a firm believer in like, if you do the right things, the right things get returned to you. So, you know, I'm working out every day. I'm training every day and I'm training kids as well. I'm making sure to pour back into my community. Um, this year I was a, a high school football coach and I was making sure to, uh, you know, just give them the knowledge that I didn't have in, in high school. And ultimately that got returned to me in, um, in opportunities, you know, with getting an agent and then the agent would, that, an agent that actually believes in me. And, um, I'm a firm believer in that philosophy and just moving within mine and God's purpose is just what I try to do every day when I wake up definitely a really good mindset and outlook giving back as a coach being a player and somebody that's still playing you know it's easy for me to say at 43 turning 44 if i want to start coaching my days are over you know it doesn't (laughs) that's the stuff that people don't want to hear the old guys talking about the glory days but somebody like yourself that's still at it still playing still seeking the next step in the progression what does that coaching do for you? I mean, it's got to help in some way, in a way that maybe the people that don't coach, right? There's got to be some something. I mean, are, are, 
do you see a tangible difference that you're now bringing back to you as a player after giving back as a coach? Yes, sir. I've learned a lot about football and about myself and about just like the game by coaching is like as a player, you don't really understand how frustrating it is when a kid, when a player repeatedly makes the same mistakes or, or as a player, you don't really understand like when you make the same mistakes, how frustrating it is for the coach. And you don't really understand how rewarding it is for a coach when you finally get things right. Or like how good it feels to have a, a player that's receptive of coaching or how frustrating it is to have a player that's, you know, going against the grain all the time. So uh, that helped me view the game from a different angle, like how to be more coachable and how to be, you know, a leader. On, and, you know, it just helped me view the game from a different angle. You know, no doubt. It's got to be a completely different perspective. But the tough part for some people is you may see it, but can you apply it back when that's, you know, that's the trick to that trade, I guess, if, if you're in that situation. You know, I've had executives on and coaches on the show before. I'm not acting like they tune in every episode, David. I'm not even going to act like that's the case. But they're aware of the platform, right? They're aware of the mm-hmm. show. They may even tune in from time to time. So this, I think, is a very important thing to offer each of my guests that are playing. There's so only so much film, right? There's only so much written down on the clipboard and shared and the spreadsheets, right? The data they're they're grinding and looking over. But then there's you, the person, the player. Mm-hmm. What is it, you know, aside from the guys like Will Lewis and stuff that have had the opportunity to chat with you a little bit, but the coaches that are now looking at the data, looking at the notes that have been, you know, scanned in on PDF now about you. What is it that you think that they don't know that they need to know? It's It's really vital into why you are the player they need to be looking at we're selecting in the upcoming draft and not these other players that they have on their radar. Uh, it's just fearlessness. You know, I don't, I'm not afraid of anyone. I feel like football, like I pray for, I play for something bigger than me every time I step on the field. Like I'm a, I'm a dog in every sense of the word. You know, I feel like, you know, I was born with the name David for a reason, you know, and it's like, I'm a great athlete. It shows it's great on paper, but there's, a lot of intangibles that you don't see, you know, like I've played against six, five receivers and, and whooped them. I've met uh, fullbacks in the A gap before to set up my linebacker on the, on the tackle on the other and the C gap. You know, uh, there's a lot of intangibles with me that you can't see and that it, the film doesn't show. You know, I, I, don't, I can't put that on my highlight tape, you know, and I feel like a lot of these division one players, they're they're entitled, you know, they, they'll go to camp. And then they'll come back and then they feel like they automatically deserve to go to camp. I don't feel entitled at all. I feel like I have to work for everything, you know, where I come from. Nothing's handed to me. So um, I feel like that sets me apart 100%. One last thing, and I know it seems very similar to what I just asked. So you reached out to me, right? Yes, sir. You know, there's football, there's non-football things. You're obviously digging and grinding, not just on the field and trying to work on your skill sets, but you're looking for an opportunity just to get out in front of whether it's the listeners and coaches and staff members, whatever it is, you know, you're trying to get your own media going. So here's the, just the open thing. What is it 
that you really wanted to get from this interview that you wanted out there about you? I would just say that I'm a, I'm a ball hawk. You know, I've had in college, I had 13 interceptions and over a hundred tackles um, with four touchdowns, but the, it doesn't show up on paper. Like my mentality where I come from and every day I'm, I wake up with a chip on my shoulder, you know, um, I, I, every day I'm mad at myself on Sundays that I'm not playing. And I firmly believe that I could play in the NFL. And I just want other people to see the belief that I know with, that's within myself. And that's the reason why I reached out to you. I haven't been blessed with the opportunities as a lot of these bigger school athletes have been. And I know if I had the same opportunities as them, that I would make the most of it. Well, David, it has been a pleasure. I appreciate your time and having you on the show to share your football journey, your showcase experiences. You know, just I wish you the best of health and luck. I know I say this to everybody. I really do because health is the only thing that gives you the additional opportunities ahead. And luck, I mean, we all need luck in life. So, you know, best of health and luck, man. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mike. You're welcome. If you are fortunate to play in the XFL, I'd love to leave you with an open invitation, all right? So if this comes to fruition for you, either I can reach back out or you can reach back out to me and we could try to you know, make this happen again so that way you're discussing the new experience of what it is to be <laughs> playing the next step, okay? You know, oh, yeah, for don't sure. Don't feel obligated, but you know, you have that open invitation if you'd like. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I'm hitting you up again. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, before you go, David, if you wouldn't mind, I think it's important for the listeners because some of these people like to continue to follow the story and the journey. So can you just sh- share with the listeners, you know, where you're at, you know, what social media channels and, or, or platforms you're on, and that way they could follow you for the rest of your, you know, for the rest of the journey. Uh, yes, sir. It's D Haney Wavy, D H A N E Y W A V Y on Instagram. And then I have a uh, TikTok where I post about my um, football journey. And it's once you're great. It's all one word, uh, no apostrophe, once you're great on TikTok. Right. Perfect. Thank you, David. Thank you, Mike. You're welcome. Like many others, David's collegiate career and transition to the professional game is well-traveled. I am glad David reached out to the show and was willing to share his story. It is encouraging to hear he's had multiple conversations with San Antonio Brahma's director of player personnel, Will Lewis, and potentially could be among their plans for an upcoming draft. I wish David the best of health and luck as he pursues the next phase of his professional career. Unfortunately, we do not have any fan line messages this week. If you have an XFL-related comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you are interested in checking out our friends over at True Victory, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes 
as well as that sweet code, PLAYER54, for 15% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player 54 Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.